Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour, bonjour. What a wonderful thing it is that we get to gather together. I'm Jennifer Hadley. We're talking about A Course in Miracles, joining together to be the two or more gathered in the name and the nature of love. Our topic this week is living by faith instead of fear, living by faith instead of fear. It was something I said last week and it popped in. Oh, that's the topic for next week. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Spirit. (laughs) And so I'm excited to see what comes through. And let's begin with a blessing and a prayer. So taking that breath of gratitude, we are grateful and thankful to open ourselves to the unprecedented, to the unlimited. We are grateful for the infinite love and intelligence that is our very essence and nature that is always guiding us, leading us, directing us, informing us. We are awake and available to live by faith instead of fear. We are grateful to give up the habits of fear, the belief in anything that could cause a sense of fear. We are grateful to give up managing and coping with fear and to allow it to be healed back to the root cause so we never experience it again. We are consciously choosing to awaken from the dream of separation, from the dream of lack and limitation. We're allowing ourselves to fully recognize the unity of all life and that All are loved and beloved, and we are grateful to say yes to divine intelligence, divine wisdom, active in our awareness. Mm, So very grateful, so very thankful to say yes to the truth, saying yes to the perfect love that we already are. So grateful so thankful to join together in recognition of our perfection and our wholeness. We share the benefits with everyone. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Oh my goodness, yes. So chapter 17 of the text, section 7, paragraph 2 Jesus says, there is no problem in any situation that faith will not solve. Now, he also tells us that the only problem we have is that we believe we're separate and we are not separate. So the problem is an illusion. The belief is an illusion. It's a distortion and it is a false concept that has no power. I will say again, again and again and again, there's one power, that's love. The power of love is operating in our heart and in our mind at all times. 
And when we think that there's another power, hello, we get scared. Of course we get scared if we think there's another power. Of course we do. Of course. But if we can be willing, just willing, to recognize, to recognize, to remember that there is only the one power, there is not another power, and that one power is love that is always for us and never against us. And if we're willing, we can place our faith in that. There is no problem in any situation that faith will not solve. There is no shift in any aspect of the problem, but will make solution impossible. So if we're trying to shift the problem rather than our thinking about it, the solution is impossible. For if you shift part of the problem every elsewhere, excuse me, for if you shift part of the problem elsewhere, the meaning of the problem must be lost. And the solution to the problem is in inherent in its meaning. If you shift part of the problem elsewhere, you move it somewhere else, the meaning of the problem must be lost, and the solution to the problem is inherent in its meaning. It is not possible that all of your... Is it not possible that all of your problems have been solved, but you have removed yourself from the solution? So, there it is. All of our problems have been solved, but we have removed ourselves from the solution. What is the solution? Perfect love, perfect wisdom, perfect intelligence, perfect unity in Christ. We've removed ourselves from the awareness of love's presence, and therefore we are trying to solve a problem that is a projection. It doesn't actually exist. Nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. Hmm. Yet faith must be where something has been done and where you see it done. So, faith. Faith. One of the things he says a little bit later here the thought of bodies is the sign of faithlessness, for bodies cannot solve anything. It is their intrusion on the relationship, an error in your thoughts about the situation, which then becomes the justification for your lack of faith. So, In many situations, particularly in relationships, our issues are lack of faith. Lack of faith. And one of the things we're doing in many of our relationships is we're trusting in people's egos, and people's egos are not trustworthy. So then we're disappointed, and we blame it on them. Oh, you let me down. But really... The truth is, when we're pointing the finger, like the Native Americans say, point one finger at me, you're pointing three back at yourself. So when we're saying, you let me down, I'm disappointed in you, 
then what we're doing is we're really, we're doing that projection thing. So when we place our trust in other people and our faith in other people who are ego-identified, then we're going to be let down. And when they let us down, we think we're disappointed in them, but we're actually disappointed in ourselves because we know better than to place our faith and trust in people who are ego-identified. And yet we keep doing it. As Homer Simpson would say, Don't! <laughs> so that's the thing. We, it's so interesting. I hear so many spiritual students say, Well, I was trying to be loving by trusting them. I was really trying to trust God and to have faith by trusting them. But in my experience, if you drill down into it with a little bit of a microscope or a magnifying glass, you will see that the person actually knew not to trust that person. But they wanted to do it, and so they did. And so why did they want to place their trust in somebody who was untrustworthy? Well, we can ask that question. Why would we want to fail? Maybe we'd like an excuse to beat that person up on some level and make them wrong, make them bad, push them away, uh, feel superior to them. Yeah, why would we set ourselves up for a disappointment. For me, one of the most helpful things to be aware of when it comes to faith and fear is that in every moment I'm placing my faith in something. Every single moment. Now, I could be placing my faith in my opinion. I could be placing my faith in somebody else's opinion. I can be placing my faith in spirit or in something in the world. And when I ignore my intuition, I'm placing my faith in my ego's ability to discern, which is not so good. When I place my faith in my intuition, I am frequently making decisions based on intuition that very often on an intellectual level, on a mental level, it doesn't make sense to me. My intuition will say things like, go to the grocery store today, not tomorrow. Now, the logic of when I see what needs to be done today versus what needs to be done tomorrow, much better to put it off till tomorrow. But then I put it off till tomorrow following the logic of the ego based on what it can discern from the things that are seen in the world. Uh, I get to the store, and yes, it's easier on my schedule but I get there and 
they're sold out of the things that I could have gotten if I had gone the day before following my intuition and going when it was less convenient and made less sense to me. That kind of thing I experience less and less of because more and more I follow my intuition whether it makes sense or not. And it's it's wonderful to see how it can work. Uh, it, it even works in things like, for me, it works when I'm playing games with other people. They say, pick a number. And I just, whatever number first comes in my mind, I'm, I'm asking what number. So I'm not thinking of a number. I'm asking my own holiness what number. And I get it right again and again and again. I ask my own holiness in a game of cards, which card do I take? From this pile, from this pile, from this person's hand, from that person's hand. I like to play games. I don't get a lot of opportunity to play games, but I do like to play. <laughs> so I use my intuition at the store in so many different ways. And that is always an act of faith. I'm placing my faith in divine inspiration, guidance, intuition. Now, I am sure I have talked about how many hundreds and thousands of times I prayed to stop being resistant to following my guidance. Because I would pray for guidance and then not follow it. But then I would see, oh, why didn't I just follow my guidance? Why didn't I follow my intuition? That inspiration was so clear. Why didn't I follow it? So I am still learning, still training every day, but recognizing that in each and every moment I'm placing my faith in something and I can place my faith in God rather than in my ability to discern, rather than in my ability to figure things out. So this is, it's life-changing. It's life-changing because when we discard our intuition and inspiration, we suffer we definitely suffer and we don't have to. And oftentimes we feel stupid because we're judging ourselves for not following our intuition and for not having the strength or the courage to do it. And in a sense, what I can see now is it actually doesn't take any courage now to follow my intuition. It doesn't. I can see now that not following my intuition is hubris. It's arrogance that will lead to a sense of failure, a sense of loss. And gosh darn it, I am not interested in feeling that anymore. I have felt it so many times. So cultivating the perfect faith that is what we are about. That is what we are going for. And we can do that. Yes.
Now, in chapter 15, section 6, uh, it's called The Holy Instant and the Laws of God. Jesus says, It is impossible to use one relationship at the expense of another and not to suffer guilt. And it is equally impossible to condemn part of a relationship and find peace within it. It's kind of like saying the way you do anything is the way you do everything. Under the Holy Spirit's teaching, all relationships are seen as total commitments. Yet, they do not conflict with one another in any way. All relationships are seen as total commitments, yet they do not conflict with each other in any way. Why? Because we are all one. He says, perfect faith in each one for its ability, each one, each relationship, for its ability to satisfy you completely arises only from perfect faith in yourself. Perfect faith in each one for its ability to satisfy you completely arises only from perfect faith in yourself. And how many of us have perfect faith in ourselves? Nobody that I know. And this you cannot have while guilt remains. Aha, that's why we don't have faith in ourselves, because of that unconscious guilt. So then he says, and there will be guilt as long as you accept the possibility and cherish it that you can make a brother into what he is not because you would have him so. So as long as you'd like to make any one of your brothers or sisters less than, not one, then you will have that guilt. Because that is the reason for the guilt. So in order to let the guilt go, we must love everyone and make no exceptions. He goes on to say, you have so little faith in yourself because you are unwilling to accept the fact That perfect love is in you. And so you seek without, seek outside yourself for what you cannot find out there. He says, without. I offer you my perfect faith in you in place of all your doubts. But forget not that my faith must be as perfect in all your brothers as it is in you, or it would be a limited gift to you. In the holy instant, we share our faith in God's Son because we recognize together that He is wholly worthy of it. And in our appreciation of His worth, we cannot doubt His holiness. And so we love Him. All separation vanishes as holiness is shared. For holiness is power, and by sharing it, it gains strength. If you seek for satisfaction in gratifying your needs as you perceive them, you must believe that strength comes from another, and what you gain, he loses. Someone must always lose if you perceive yourself as weak. 
Yet there is another interpretation of relationships that transcends the concept of loss, of power, completely. So let's look at this. Let's really look at this. All separation vanishes as holiness is shared. What I can see from my journey from the last couple decades is that once I became a spiritual counselor, I shifted, I changed. And the way in which I changed is I took a vow as a spiritual counselor to see the perfection, the wholeness, the beauty, and the holiness in my clients, to see their magnificence, to acknowledge it, to affirm it, to accept it. And in doing so, I'm doing just what Jesus is talking here. So he says, you have so little faith in yourself because you're unwilling to accept the fact The perfect love is in you. So in my experience of loving my brothers and sisters who came to me for counseling, I was also accepting the fact of the perfect love in me. Both were happening at the same time. Because we were joining together, the two or more gathered in the name and the nature of love. And my willingness to see their perfection and their wholeness made it easier for me to see it in myself. Then I was able to extend love to my brothers and sisters. Even if I hardly knew them, I felt such a deep wellspring of love for each of my clients. Even if they were attempting to be annoying or attempting to be irritating or frustrating as some people get you try to get you to reject them, and I could just love them, it gave me an opportunity to really seriously love without conditions And that was deeply healing to me. That's the thing that people don't realize is when someone is trying your patience, when someone is irritating and frustrating and annoying, they're offering you an opportunity to love without conditions and to love fully and completely. And it seems like a test, but it's actually an opportunity. Most times when it seems like a test, It's actually an opportunity to rise up, to rise to the challenge, to see what your metal is, to see what your truth is within you. Not your truth, meaning your specific truth, but to to see the truth awakened alive in your mind and to recognize the unity of all life. So many times we issue these opportunities and we miss the opportunities. We don't realize what things are for. And 
this opportunity that we're given by the person who seems to be irritating or frustrating is we're giving, being given the opportunity to love without conditions and to recognize we don't have to love the person's behavior in order to love the person. We don't. We don't have to love what they say and how they act in order to love them. And think of it right now where we're talking about the, the war in the Ukraine. If we could just love fully and completely uh, Vladimir Putin, hold nothing back, then a healing would occur in his mind about himself and his brothers and sisters. If we could all love him fully and completely. And we can it's it's a matter of decision. It truly is. I'm getting ready to start my Finding Freedom from Fear spiritual boot camp again June 13th. And so uh, I can tell you that one of the wonderful things that folks discover in that boot camp is they can very quickly reduce the amount of fear that they experience. And they can not only deepen their faith, but they can discover that there is a capacity for faith within their own awareness that they didn't realize was possible for them. And cultivating that is a beautiful thing. So Finding Freedom from Fear Spiritual Boot Camp class, all the details are at jenniferhadley.com. And you can book an exploratory call with one of the spiritual counselors and get all your questions answered if you would like, if you're interested. That opportunity is there for you. So I invite you to check out those details at jenniferhadley.com. Finding freedom from fear. That's what we're doing. It's time for me to take a break. You're listening to A Course in Miracles with Jennifer Hadley, and I'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, living the love, walking the talk. Welcome back. Thank you for... Returning, so grateful. We are talking about living by faith instead of fear. And uh, this is the moment-by-moment choice we have, as I was saying before. In each and every second, we are deciding what we're going to place our faith in. Are we going to place it in our opinions, our judgments, our perceptions, and our projections, Or are we going to place our faith in love, in spirit, in holiness? We get to choose, and you can tell what you're doing, what you're choosing, by how it feels. And in, uh, let's see here, in chapter 13, which is called The Cloud of guilt. Sorry, chapter 13 of the text of A Course in Miracles, section 9, is called The Cloud of Guilt. And it, in paragraph 2, actually I'm going to start with paragraph 1. Guilt remains the only thing that hides the father, for guilt is the attack upon his son. The guilty always condemn, and having done so, they will still condemn. 
linking the future to the past, as is the ego's law. So you know that you are one of these guilty, and I, I want to put guilty in quotation marks here, if you feel guilty, it doesn't mean you are guilty. It means you perceive yourself to be guilty. But it doesn't mean that you are guilty. You just feel it, you think it, you believe it. doesn't mean that you are guilty. So the guilty always condemn. If you are in a habit of condemning, like my mind has a habit of condemning, and so I'm in a constant retraining of myself. And I've made huge amounts of progress, far more than I ever, ever imagined possible. And I can say that many people do not realize how condemning their mind is, the, the habitual mind is. Uh, as I've mentioned before, folks who join my year-long Masterful Living course will often tell me, oh, Jennifer, at the beginning of the year, you talked about how judgmental people are and how judgment causes so much suffering. And I thought, well, I'm not very judgmental. I'm the most loving, kind, compassionate person that I know in my family and my friends and my workplace. I'm definitely not very judgmental. But then a couple months later into the program, they have a greater awareness of their thinking because of the work we're doing in the program. And they realize, oh, my Lord, I'm so judgmental. It just happens over and over and over again. So if you have an awareness that you are thinking judgmental thoughts, then you are subject to to this unconscious guilt, the cloud of guilt. And so the guilty always condemn, and having done so, they will still condemn. Linking the future to the past is the ego's law. So linking the future to the past. So we, when we're ego-identified, when we're feeling that guilt and we're condemning, then we're in these habits and patterns of seeing the past now, repeating itself now. We're experiencing it again and again and again. Whether we are really or not, that's what we're projecting onto our current experience. So then he goes on to say in paragraph two, release from guilt is the ego's whole undoing. So in order to undo the guilt, uh, or rather to undo the ego identification, we focus on releasing ourselves from that guilt. And the guilt is 100% the result of judgments, condemnation, false beliefs about ourselves and others. So then he says, make no one fearful. For his guilt is yours. And by obeying the ego's harsh commandments, you break, bring its condemnation on yourself. And you will not escape the punishment it offers those who obey it. 
The ego rewards fidelity to it with pain, for faith in it is pain. And faith can be rewarded only in terms of the belief in which the faith was placed. So faith will always be rewarded if we're using a negative faith, placing it in our opinions and our judgments. It will be rewarded in the terms of the belief in which the faith was placed. If we place our faith in love, in spiritual wisdom, and in our holiness, in the unity of all life, we will be rewarded in terms of the belief in which the faith was placed. Faith makes the power of belief, and where it is invested determines its reward. So we can place our faith in opinions and judgments and experience the guilt, the shame, the blame, the terror, the worry, the fear, the doubt, Or we can place our faith in love, in extending compassion, and experience the treasures. The treasures of the kingdom. We get to decide what we are going to experience. So we learn to be faithful. Faithful to being loving, to being kind. And for most of us, it is some real effort that is required of us. Now, I'm going to share about one of the major challenges that many, many people have when it comes to faith. Because we're always placing our faith in something in each and every moment, many people are placing their faith in their own ability to discern what will make them happy and what is good and what is right when they are ego-identified and so they are truly deluded. And this is where... I lived for so long in the delusion. And in that experience of being delusional, I I moved into a place of being disillusioned with the illusion. (laughs) And so one of the big, painful experiences many people have is they put their faith in something outside of themselves making them happy. A Course in Miracles calls this the special relationship, where the relationship is the thing that validates you. It is the thing that is supposed to be your source and your supply. That's the nature of a special relationship is that you're going to get your needs met from that relationship. You can have a special relationship with an animal, you can ha- like a pet. You can have a special relationship with a parent, with a lover, a spouse, a child, a job. 
You can have a special relationship with a house, with a neighborhood, with a church. You can have a special relationship with all kinds of things. But it's when your faith is in that special relationship to fulfill you, to validate you, to make you happy, to meet your needs. When our faith is used in that way, invested in that special relationship, then what we do is we keep reaffirming, yes, this is the thing, this is the thing that's going to fill me up. Yes, this is the thing that's going to make me happy. And it's also, uh, the flip side of it is, this is the thing that's not making me happy. This is the thing that is preventing me from being happy. This is the thing that's making me sick. Of course, we can have a special relationship with our physical body and be completely wrapped up in making our body into the most beautiful thing or um, because it's there's uh, illness and things like that. So there's all kinds of ways that we can get wrapped up in placing our faith wrongly in something that we're we're just completely wrong about it. I I I I love that in the workbook Jesus is so clear with us at one point where he says stop thinking that you know what will make you happy because you do not. You do not. In Lesson 64, he says, Only by fulfilling the function given you by God will you be happy. That is because your function is to be happy by using the means by which happiness becomes inevitable. There is no other way. Therefore, every time you choose whether or not to fulfill your function, you are really choosing whether or not to be happy. So, he then says, let us remember this today. Let us remind ourselves of it in the morning and again at night and all throughout the day as well. Only by fulfilling the function God gave me will I be happy. I'm choosing to fulfill that function now. And what is that function? To be truly helpful. And to be truly helpful means to let go of our opinions and our judgments. And to let go of the arrogance of thinking we know what's good and bad, what's right and wrong, what's best for someone, even including ourselves. And so true surrender True humility, this is the path of fulfilling our function and finding true happiness. I can attest from my own life that this is how I found happiness, by fulfilling my function, by forgiving everything and being on a path of giving up all my judgments and my opinions. And at first, it was very, very challenging. It seemed impossible. But I decided that it had to be possible. And so I was just going to keep going and be undeterred, 
even if it felt impossible. I was going to say to myself every time I thought it was impossible, well, I'm giving this to spirit, and spirit cannot fail. Therefore, I cannot fail because I am spirit. Now, in chapter 13 of the text, section 11, it's called the peace of heaven. He says here in paragraph 7, <laughs> 11 and 7, section 7, paragraph, <laughs> section 11, paragraph 7. Talking about heaven. <laughs> he says, have faith in only this one thing and it will be sufficient. And here it is what we're to have faith in. God wills you be in heaven and nothing can keep you from it or from you. God wills you be in heaven and nothing can keep you from it or it from you. Your wildest misperceptions, your weird imaginings, your blackest nightmares all mean nothing. They will not prevail against the peace God wills for you. The Holy Spirit will restore your sanity because insanity is not the will of God. If that suffices God, it is enough for you. You will not keep what God would have removed because it breaks communication with you and with whom he would communicate. God's voice will be heard. So have faith in only this one thing and it will be sufficient. Uh, right before this paragraph, he says, the will of God can fail in nothing. And that, to me, is one of the most wonderful things to know, that our will is the will of God because there is not a separate will. There's an illusion of a separate will, but there's no actual separate will. So the will of God can fail in nothing. That means that we cannot fail. Therefore, let us dare to live in heaven. Let us dare to bring forth the new heaven and the new earth. Again, he says here, chapter 13, section 11, paragraph 7. Have faith in only this one thing, and it will be sufficient. God wills you be in heaven so, in other words, God wills it that you be in heaven. And nothing can keep you from heaven or keep heaven from you. Your wildest misperceptions, your weird imaginings, your blackest nightmares all mean nothing. Think about it. They will not prevail against the peace God wills for you. The Holy Spirit will restore your sanity because insanity is not the will of God. If that suffices God, it is enough for you. You will not keep what God would have removed because it breaks communication with you with whom he would communicate. His voice will be heard. 
this kind of teaching says to me, rely upon the Holy Spirit. Do not rely upon your own perceptions or your own ability to think it through. Stop doing that, Jennifer. Stop trying to figure things out. Stop trying to figure out what God is doing or what God meant. And simply surrender. Relax. Allow yourself to be lifted, to be carried, to be held. And that is how we move from a place of living by fear to living by faith. And that to me is what my finding freedom from fear boot camp is all about. It's about really relaxing into spirit and giving up the strategies, the coping mechanisms, and all the things that prevent our happiness and moving into trust and faith at a level that we can then apply to everything else in our life. Because once we can really grok, really understand that God is for us, never against us, it changes us. But we do have to have these experiences where we place our trust in God and it goes well. And we have a wonderful experience, a healing experience that brings forth joy and happiness. And then we say, aha, okay, this is what I'm talking about. I can do this. I can live in this way. So we recalibrate. We're restoring ourselves to our right mind through letting the Holy Spirit lead us and guide us. In paragraph 8 of this section, Jesus says, The communication link that God himself placed within you, joining your mind with his, cannot be broken. People wonder about that. So the communication link, that divine communication link, cannot be broken. So we can feel like we're not connected. But that's because on some level, we've chosen to disconnect. But we can only disconnect to some degree, not completely and totally. Many people over the years have told me that they can't feel love. They don't feel love. They don't know what it feels like. They don't know what it looks like. They don't know what it is understandable. Also, many people will tell me they can't feel joy. They don't understand it. They don't know what it is. They feel dead to joy, to love. So they're trying to figure out how to feel the love, how to feel the joy. And what I say to them is that you don't have to figure that out. What you do is you say to your own holiness, that higher Holy Spirit self, I would like to experience joy. I would like to experience love. I'm willing to give up the blocks to joy, the blocks to love, the blocks to peace and harmony, the blocks to prosperity. I'm giving them all up giving them to the Holy Spirit for healing. I am willing 
to live by faith. And then right away, you're going to be given some opportunity to practice that, to live by faith. And you may not choose it. You may, instead of placing your faith in love and in the love of God, you may place your faith in money or you may place your faith in your opinion, your perception, your projection. You'll have an opportunity again and again to choose. And when we choose to place our faith in love, we're retraining ourselves, we're recalibrating ourselves we're remembering our true identity and living God's infinite grace. It's a reorientation. It's a very different way of living. And the good news is we can get the hang of it so fast because it's our natural way. It is our natural way. It is our destiny. So that's why he says God's voice will be heard and the communication link cannot be broken. God's voice will be heard. Still get to choose whether or not you'll follow that voice for God, but you will hear it whether you choose to follow it or not so wonderful that we have this opportunity. Now, in um, chapter 5, section 7, paragraph 2, and this is the section entitled The Decision for God, he says, there have been many healers who did not heal themselves. They have not moved mountains by their faith because their faith was not whole. Some of them have healed the sick at times, but they have not raised the dead. Unless the healer heals himself, he cannot believe that there is no order of difficulty in miracles. So we think, oh, that's a big miracle. Oh, that's a little miracle. But it's just not true, because it's a thought and a thought is a thought. There's no big thought. There's no small thought. It says here, he has not learned that every mind God created is equally worthy of being healed because God created it whole. You are merely asked to return to God the mind as he created it. He asks you only for what he gave, knowing that this giving will heal you. Sanity is wholeness, and the sanity of your brothers is yours. So we are responsible for the sanity of our brothers and sisters. And that's why extending love, compassion, kindness, forgiveness allows us to feel whole and healed. So we're placing our faith in love. That's what we're doing right here, right now. And placing our faith in knowing that spirit cannot fail. It's a different way of living. We practice it and practice it, and we get better and better at it. And if you'd like to come and practice with me for the next couple of months, 
We're going to have a lot of fun doing it and a lot of healing. And I'd love for you to be a part of it. All the details for my Finding Freedom from Fear boot camp with A Course of Miracles principles are at jenniferhadley.com. Now, sometimes people aren't sure if this is the right time for them to do this program and they have questions about the program. So that's why you can book a free exploratory call if you have questions. And you book that call with one of the spiritual counselors from the ministry, and they love to do those calls and to talk with you and see how they can be of service answering your questions. So don't hesitate to do that if you think you might be ready for Finding Freedom from Fear Spiritual Boot Camp. It's a 90-day program where we really go to healing the root causes of fear, improving our relationships, healing the body, and healing the mind is our priority. And we have a lot of fun doing it. It's a beautiful way to make new spiritual friends and to deepen your relationship with prayer and to experience miracles. People think that miracles are for other people but not for them, and it's simply not true. And I'm inviting you to prove that for yourself. All right, so all the details are at jenniferhadley.com. Yes, and thank you to all the people who donate and contribute to the Power of Love Ministry. If you value this podcast, won't you please consider making a contribution to support it? All right, let's pray. I invite you to place your hand on your heart and let's take that breath of love and gratitude. We're grateful to claim our faith, our faith in love, our faith in spirit. We are grateful to choose wholeness and happiness, harmony and joy. We're grateful that our mind is the mind of God and we're sharing the benefits of our healing, of our learning, of our expansion with everyone because we're one with them. In gratitude, we let the healing be, and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. I love you. Mwah.